praise the name of Jesus. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 6, if you would please. 2 Samuel chapter 6. This is a familiar story if you've studied David. This is the chapter of the Ark of the Covenant coming back to Jerusalem. And uh, the beginning of this chapter, the Bible said that David had good intentions to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem out of the house of Abinadab, but that his good intentions were met by the judgment of God because even with good intentions, It was against the plan of God the way that they moved the ark. And so finally, after quite a few things had happened and they got to Nashon's threshing floor and it all began to break down, the ark became unstable on the cart and Uzzah, the daughter of the son, rather of Abinadab, he reaches up to steady the ark and he drops dead right there at the ark of the covenant because God is not pleased with the common touching the uncommon. And I still believe it to be a fact today. But David goes back and regathers himself and he says, we need to let the ark stay in the house of Obed-Edom and we're going to bring the ark back to Jerusalem the right way. We're going to pick up in verse number 8. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah the, and called the name of the place Peruzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him in the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his house. Verse 12, and it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord, had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced Before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord. Somebody say with shouting. With the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping. And dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord. Set it in its place. In the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Before the Lord. Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor tonight. And tell them this for me. Your answer is on the way. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Praise the name of Jesus. 
This is a fantastic story. The obsession of a man who got to the place that he was so tired, if I could use the latitude of saying it like this, he was so tired of just having good church and going through the motions. David was literally consumed with the idea that the children of Israel went on about their way, continued to offer sacrifice, continued to bless the Lord. But there was no Ark of the Covenant in Israel. If I could say it to you like this, everything was set in order for them to do things the proper way and be blessed. But there was nothing that was blessing God. The Ark of the Covenant was the difference maker in whether the glory of God resided in the house of the Lord or just sacrifice was made. I'm afraid that if we're not careful, we're going to bring ourselves to a place as a movement someday that we are so satisfied to just go through the motions, to have good church, to be blessed, to offer our sacrifice, to bring our tithing and bring our offering and do things the way that we think it should be done only to realize that for an entire generation, We have had good church without the glory of God being in the midst of his people. I tell you tonight, I've been asking God over the last some time that a zeal would eat me up just like it did David. That I cannot be satisfied in my generation to just go from conference to conference and camp meeting to camp meeting and dancing to dancing and shouting to shouting and move of God to move of God, but never be changed. It's the difference in whether or not we just baptize people, let people get the Holy Ghost, and they're truly converted. It is possible to have church growth and not have the glory of God. It is possible for us to dance and shout and speak in tongues and run the aisles, but the glory of God never appear in the midst of his people. We can bring ourselves to the place that whatever we're doing We can do with or without the glory. I told this story when it happened in this church many years ago. It's been probably somewhere in the neighborhood of six, five, six years ago. So just bear with me as I share my heart with this church. I was standing behind this keyboard, which thank the Lord I don't have to do every service anymore. The Holy Ghost was moving in this house. It was Sunday night at FPC. It just was good. felt really good. Music was really good. The choir was singing really good. You were worshiping really good, dancing, shouting, people running the aisles. And the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart standing behind the keyboard, and he said, I want you to look around. I said, okay, God, what am I looking for? And I looked around the room, Bishop, and everybody was dancing and shouting, and I said, Lord, is that beautiful to you? This is what I want. This is beautiful. I want to see these people worship God because I don't want to pastor a dead church. I wouldn't want to go to a dead church, much less 
pastor a dead church. Could you imagine sitting somewhere and feeling like an oddball when you raise your hand and say, Hallelujah! Well, it's always welcome in this house. Amen. So I was standing up there playing, and I, I looked around. Man, you all looked so pretty. You were gorgeous before my eyes. I said, okay, God, I'm looking. you got to be proud. The Lord said, look again. Like, okay, I'm looking. He said, I want you to look really, really close to what's going on in the room right now. So I start looking for a sign. I start looking for something. I'm thinking, what's going on in this place right now? What is it that God wants me to see? So finally, I gave up on the tug of war, and I said, okay, God, I want you to talk to me right now. And I want you to tell me what it is as your humble servant that you're trying to show me. At that moment, you could have knocked me over with a feather standing on this platform when the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, 90% of what you're doing in this room right now, you could do with or without me. Just let that sink in for a minute. I'll preach to you. What does it take for us as a church body to get to the place that we love to be entertained so much that we are satisfied to come in and sing three or four songs, throw our offering in the plate like an admittance fee. Let somebody preach to us and us leave this house As broken as we were when we walked in the door. As addicted as we were when we walked in the door. As sick as we were when we walked through the door. Come on, stay with me right here. God's trying to help us. I want you to understand, church family, I am grateful to do what I do and be what I am. But I can't afford to do this at the cost of losing the glory of God. I thank God for your faithfulness to the house of God. But just as important as your faithfulness to the house of God, you've got to be faithful to the God of the house. This is not a Sunday morning, Sunday night deal. We've got to fall in love with Jesus And we've got to love him every day and every night. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. But what's it say? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates in it day and night. Not Sunday and Wednesday. Every day and every night. If we are people of the name, we've got to fall in love with God all over again. I've been asking God to baptize this church with a passion for prayer. I've been asking God to baptize this church with a baptism of anguish that moves us to our faces where we're not just happy to come together and have church, but we've got to get the glory of God in the house. We've got to have the glory of God. Some would respond to that and say, well, Pastor, you're, you're just being too hard on yourself and too hard on the church because you're the one that preaches all the time that God is omnipresent. And I want to tell you, just because His presence is everywhere doesn't mean His 
presence manifests everywhere. Mm. I really want to get where I'm going, but I feel the Holy Ghost keep checking me right here. So I'm going to stay. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. After this manner, as King James said it. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Somebody quote the next line to me now. Thy will be done. Where? Thy kingdom come. Think about this. Thy kingdom come. I know we say that really fast because the the Catholic Church stole that from us. This is not something we pray over our food, brothers and sisters. Think about what you're saying. Thy kingdom come. Everything that's in his kingdom, that's beyond this world, everything that we long to go to someday, to go to heaven. Come on, think about it now. No more crying, no more dying, no more fear, no more tears, no more brokenness, walls of jasper, gates of pearl. In other words, all the riches of glory. He said, I want you to pray thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come where? Come from heaven to earth. And he continues the thought process by saying, and let your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In other words, whatever the mind of God is for me in heaven, let the mind of God be accomplished in me in the earth. We've got a serious epidemic that we have listened to the enemy for so long to tell us that we are second-rate citizens and that it's not the will of God for us to be blessed. But I'm telling you it's time for us to start believing in the church the way that God believes in the church. I'm sorry if it sounds tonight like I'm being over the top, but I feel like telling you, I'm tired of heaven church without the waters of baptism being troubled, without the lame walking, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the dumb talking, the crippled walking. I want it. Well, Pastor, I just believe if we can get people to church, it'll happen. I do too, but I understand in Acts 3 that it happened for Peter and John on their way to the house of prayer. It's time to let the kingdom of heaven come down wherever we are. We need Jesus. To meet us in this house every day. Mm. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but here it comes. We're a generation that talks more about power and more about prayer than probably any other generation before. And we pray less and have less power exposed to us than any generation that's ever known the kingdom of God. That's an indictment against us. And I'm going to tell you why. You mark it down. This is not irrelevant message. This is as relevant and cutting edge as it gets. The problem with the 21st century church is not a lack of power. It is absolutely the spirit of distraction. We are so distracted. 
Our minds are literally evolving. Our minds are transforming. You can find it all over the internet, in magazines, in books right now. You can find it that the minds of people are evolving. Whenever you want an answer to something, you don't even think about it anymore. You get your phone out and you Google it. If I were to say right now, who was the 16th president of the United States? There's a few of you that would get it. But the principle is that there's not three kids in here that could spit out the answer. But they could pull their iPod or their iPhone or their iPad out and they could Google it. But the problem is that because we get instant results from a search, we think that we can get instant results from God when we search for his presence. See, some of you are still Googling the presidents right now. I'm using an example, and you're trying to figure out which president was 16. And I'm telling you, I'm worried about who's number one. Search me, O oh Lord, and know me, I pray. I don't want to just get into a quick Google session with God. I want to search his ways. I want to know his unfathomable wisdom. I want to know his power. I want to know his glory. I want to know the depths of his wisdom. I want to know who he is, but I can't just Google it. Something, something, something has got to challenge us. Listen, this is not a harping session, but God has been dealing with me. He's been dealing with my spirit. Something has got to challenge us when we can be satisfied to walk in, by, around lost people all the time, everywhere. And it never crossed our mind that those people are lost and dying without God. Let me slow down for just a minute. Man, I feel like a bucking horse trying to get where I'm going because I know where I want to get, but I keep feeling that Holy Ghost. Some time ago, I had a friend of mine reach out to me. It's been three or four years ago, about this time of year. It was in the summer. He reached out to me and he said, hey, man, I'm, I'm connected in this multi-level marketing thing. And he said, I, I don't know if you've ever done anything. I said, no, I haven't. I'm not really interested. And he said, I just want you to take a look at it. So I did, and it was good. Um, I'm not a massive fan of MLM, but I think it's one of the most incredible business strategies I've ever seen. And I'll tell you why. Because God began to reveal some things to me through MLM. He said, I want you to look at how they do multi-level marketing. He said, another word is direct marketing. That's what they call it, direct marketing. He said, I went into a convention. There was like 25,000 people in there. He said, every single one of these people that are in here are in here because of a personal invitation. I was like, wow. So these guys start, they're like, hey, w- w- would you come in? I said, look, I'm going to come in, but you know what I do? I'm a pastor. I said, so if you're thinking I'm going to sell stuff to people that, that's connected in my circle, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to call preachers all the time, but I'll, I'll, I'll get in and take a look at it. It's a very neat system. I jumped in. Well, to make a, a long story short, they give you 30 days to hit a certain amount of points. Three days later, I called my sponsor, and I said, hey, I got my points. Now what do I do? He said, do what? There's no way. I said, yeah, man, I got them. He said, let me look in your back office. He gets online, he signs in. He says, oh, my God, man, what in the world have you done? 
I said, I did what you told me to do. He said, bro, you've hit every mark. I was like, okay. He said, that's unbelievable. People don't do that. I said, I just did what you told me to do. He said, look, man, you got enough talent to climb the ladder in this business. He said, I want you to come be in Cleveland with me. So I go, man, I'm, I'm rubbing shoulders with guys that are in the top 25 earners of all time. I'm talking about Amway, Herbalife, all of them. These guys are in the top 25 of all combined companies together. I'm sitting at the lunch table, and this guy saw, man, this is Luke St. Clair. He's a pastor from Indiana. This guy, he's, go, he's going to skyrocket in this business. And boom, boom, boom. So I came home on fire, man. They're telling me, listen, I want you to listen to this. They said, this is how you're going to grow your business. They said, you're going to grow your business by going into people's homes and having parties with people and saying, hey, let me tell you about my product. I said, hey, I'm familiar with that. That's how we grow the business I'm in right now. Notice I said that's how we grow the business. Because if you don't do it, it don't grow. And let the choir say it, amen. So I'm standing at the gym one day. I finished the workout. Man, I, I just felt myself getting in the routine, Bishop. I felt it. I walked up to the young kid that was working behind the desk. and I said, hey, man, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? So you're going to work at a gym the rest of your life? He said, I don't know. I said, let me tell you about a business I'm in. I gave him the whole spill. I went through it. It's been years ago, and I could just about give it all to you right now. You know what's amazing about this company? There's no lotions, potions, pills, or creams. It's nothing like that. If it's on in your house, you get paid. It's AC and Essential Service. I went through the whole deal. The guy's eyes, he's like looking at me. Oh, my word. So what do you do? I said, man, we do everything that's essential. And I went through the whole deal. It's in your house. If it's cable, if it's lights, if it's gas, whatever it is. If it's on, we get in the middle. You're the middle man. You make the money. It's a big deal. It's all that. And I stood there and talked to him about 45 minutes later. He was like, bro, I'm interested. It's like, cool. So I walked out of the gym, and I'm like, I'll get back with you. And I walked out of the gym, and I'm walking in my car. And Sister Carol, the Holy Ghost, might as well have punched me in the mouth. He said, you just spent 45 minutes telling him how to make money. Did you tell him anything about me? I called those guys. I said, don't worry about me renewing my deal with this company. Because if I've got time to tell people how to make money... I've got to take time to tell people how to touch Jesus. You listen to what I'm telling you right now. I've seen people live without money. I've seen poor people die lost but die saved. I've seen poor people that didn't have any money and they died saved. But I've never seen anybody die without Jesus and be saved. They called me. I was at camp meeting. They called me up and said, hey, man, you're our national speaker tonight if you'll do it. We want you to be our national speaker on a telephone uh, 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 conference call. We got, we got people from all over that are, that are going to be on the call. We want you to be honest. I said, what do you mean? They said, you're our special speaker tonight on the telephone call, the national call. We want you to be the special speaker. I'm like, oh, my God. Why don't the devil just dangle a carrot in front of me? And all of a sudden, everything just started making sense to me. Everybody wants whatever is going to get them the quickest reward. I walk up to people and talk to them about it. They say, oh, you're, it's just a pyramid scheme. I say, well, if a pyramid scheme means you make money because you get people underneath, that's exactly what it is. Well, I mean, I had an answer for everything. 
It's amazing how quick you can get an answer for things that matter to you right now in the moment. But David said, I am absolutely tired of going through the motions in Jerusalem and making people feel like everything is going to be all right. And there's no glory in the house of God. You know how we get the glory of God? Sure, I do, Pastor. We come together and have good church. Negative, I'm sorry. That is wrong. You have missed the double jeopardy question. We've got to get connected to the glory of God before we ever walk through the doors of this church. I'm going to tell you, church family, we need the glory of God in our homes. We need the glory of God in our cars. But it's hard for the glory of God to dwell in our homes while we've got Baal playing in the living room of our house. Some of you are waiting right now for me to just preach on TV. It's so much bigger than TV. It's incredible to me that our kids can sit in front of a movie for two hours and never get up and go use the bathroom. And before worship service is over, they've ran out eight times. Because we've got them trained for their attention to be captivated by other things. Can I tell you, I remember as a boy, Bishop, I'll never forget. I just thought about it this week. Sitting in the Sulphur Church. And I can, I can name his name, but we're online. The, the guy, Tim. You remember Tim at Sulphur? He got up and he preached in the old green sanctuary. That man preached for three hours. Three hours. And I sat on the edge of my seat as a little bitty kid. And I listened to the man preach for three hours. And when the preaching was done, we hid our faces before God. I remember weeping and crying. I remember hearing Bishop Upton lift his voice after three hours of preaching. What in the world do you think would happen at FPC on a Sunday night if we had three hours of preaching? Well, all the buffets are closed. Subway's closed. I can't do nothing but get Taco Bell. Who wants Taco Bell? Look, I don't feel like preaching for three hours, so you don't have to worry about it tonight. But what I'm telling you is that the problem is not what happens in this room. The problem is what's missing behind the veil. I'm going to jump out and say, and I don't want to offend anybody, but every group and every movement and every denomination, every charismatic movement, they figured out how to have good church. But there's one thing missing between all those groups and the people of the name. It's what happens behind the veil. We need the glory of God. I feel like I'm digging. (laughs) How long does the average baseball game last? Three hours? How long does the average prayer meeting last? How long does it last? Come on now. I've been here on Thursday night when 14 minutes in, we can't help but put our iPods in, stand up, go get a drink. Oh, God. When was the last time that you treated a prayer meeting like you did that movie? 
that when you're sitting there and somebody texts you, you just say, I'll get with them when it's over. But while you're praying, it's important enough to stop and read it right now and respond. I know some of y'all think I'm trying to be a bossy britches tonight. You're looking at a man that is ate up with a zeal for the presence of God. I can't live without it. I don't want to be without it. I can't live without it. I don't want dry prayer meetings. I don't want dry church. I want drunk people walking into our prayer meetings on Thursday night and being baptized with the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Spirit of God. I don't want to be dead. Kids don't know how to pray, but they sure know how to play baseball and softball and soccer. Somebody was saying it, talking about the other day, taking their kid to a, a batting coach. Look, I'm not against you being the best you can be about everything you do, okay? Be the best you can be. They're talking about all the thousands of dollars they spend on their kids for a batting coach. I'm like, dude, he's 3.6 feet tall. He's never going to play in the major leagues. You spent thousands of dollars to make him a better hitter. For what? God, it's quiet up in here right now. He's the best wrestler in the school district, but can he wrestle with God? How long has it been since they came and woke you up in the middle of the night with tears dripping off their face saying, God, talk to me tonight, Daddy, while I was asleep. Come on, where are the boys now that are coming to their moms and dads in a Sunday night service and their chins are quivering so bad because they're saying, Dad, I feel like God called me to be a preacher tonight. It's amazing we got enough resources and time for basketball, football camp, but don't have enough resources for church camp. Do you know how many lives have been changed at camp meeting? Do you know how many missionaries have been called at camp meeting? Do you know how many evangelists have been sent at camp meeting? I want my kids to know about the kingdom and the glory. Somebody said, how many camp meetings you doing this year, man? Your family's going with you, all of them. Isn't your family wore out? I'm telling you, my kids would rather be at camp meeting than they would Kings Island. We've got to teach our kids to love the kingdom of God. I need God to help us tonight. Y'all mind preaching at me right here? We're going to play fill in the blanks. Where your treasure is? Come on, say that again. Where your treasure is? Where your treasure is? There will your heart be also. He said, you can't tell 
You don't have to ask. You don't have to ask. You can absolutely tell some, about somebody where their treasure is, where their heart is. That's what they're loving. And that's what they're investing in church. I know, I know, I know that you're your moms and your dads and you got to raise your kids the way you're going to raise your kids. You know, as your leader, I don't get up in your business. I don't wear a badge. I don't demand things from you. I don't command things from you. I'm not some weak back guy that feels like I got to flex my muscles all the time and make you feel like I'm going to dictate how you're going to live for God. But what I'm telling you is if we want this scene to go on for generation after generation until the coming of the Lord, we got to get Give our kids something to hold on to. Oh. If you want to know what your kids are in love with, just start asking them questions like, who's your hero? And if he swings a bat, we're missing something. Brother Lane, you may have to help me. If he throws a football. God's got to help us. Something's got to transpire in our movement as a whole. I don't want to throw stuff out that's going to get me in trouble. Those that are closest to me and hear my heart beat on a regular basis, they know exactly what I'm getting ready to tell you is the truth. I don't just preach this to sound good. I'm telling you, I'll live this. But I'll walk away from anything I've got to walk away from. Any organization, any whatever. I'll do whatever I've got to do to pursue the glory of God in my life for this church. I'll travel to any country I've got to go to. I'll preach anywhere I've got to preach. I'll do whatever I need to do. We'll get on a plane, sit. Brother Robbie, we'll, we'll do it 18 hours if we need to. But it's worth it to see the glory of God come. What I'm about to say would probably sound embarrassing. But if anybody knows my heart, I feel like my papa knows my heart. And I want to tell you. There's probably not a week that goes by, and I'm not speaking for him. If, he, if, I'm, if it's not true, he'll correct me later. But there's probably not a week that goes by that Bishop R.B. Bingham does not wish he could still get on a plane and travel like he used to travel. Oh. The problem is we live with the mindset that whatever God's calling us to do, somebody else can do it. Pastor, why do you go like you go? Why do you do like you do? Why do you travel like you travel? I told somebody the other day, I said, you know what? We got an awesome church. If I stayed there all the time, all the time, it would probably grow faster than it's growing. I said, but you don't understand the power of our church. They've released the ministry of their church as long as I've known them. To have a global vision and a global ministry to go as far and as fast and as hard as we can go. And I'm telling you, someday, if God will give me health and I live to be an old man, if I ever have to walk by a cane and reminisce about how it used to be, I want to be able to look back, Brother Lang, and say, I gave God my best years. I gave God everything I had. I preached with every ounce of strength that was within me. I gave God my very best. I'm not 
not satisfied to be a half-hearted preacher with a half-hearted church. I want the glory of God. Come up from mission trips and visit with people, and they say, Do you enjoy your vacation? Yeah, it was awesome. We need God to baptize our generation fresh and new with fire and zeal. That it's not about seeing or being seen. It's not about what conference floor you get access to. Oh. We need something to get a hold of us like David. That says, I'll try it, and if I don't succeed, I'll try again till I get the plan of God right. We've already learned from David that his glory don't ride on new carts. This is what we find out about David and the Ark of the Covenant in this story. The principle behind the ark riding on a cart is that God has always intended for his glory to rest on the shoulders of humanity. If we want the glory of God at FPC in 2019, it's not going to happen because of a new cart. It's going to happen because we get under the load and we carry the weight of the glory. Instead of saying and bartering with God and dealing with God, say, Lord, what are you going to make me give up? What do I have to stop doing? Why don't we start praying the other way? God, it's worth it. Whatever you ask of me, wherever I've got to go, whatever I've got to do, I'll do it. I'll go, I'll be, I'll work, I'll preach, I'll sing, I'll pray, I'll fast. Pastor, I don't like fasting, I get headaches and I get hungry. Welcome to the club. I'm telling you, if you're going to beat your flesh down, you're not going to have to remind your flesh what you're doing. It's time that we as the body of Christ feel the weight of the glory on us. And we get it on our shoulders and say, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because I get under the load of it. If we're going to have revival, it's going to be because I gave God everything. I know that Babe Ruth broke a lot of records and hit a lot of home runs. I know that. I really do. I know he did. I know Peyton Manning led the Indianapolis Colts. Boy, we won some champion A championship. <laughs> Built a new facility. It was crazy. I'm going to tell you something, Bishop. If I had to choose... To stand in the shoes of 
Nona Freeman or Peyton Manning on Judgment Day? That old hillbilly man, he never pastored nobody in that old country town. You'll never know the wars that man fought in that town. People used to look at old Prophet Barnes and say, what a goofball. I've heard guys talk about T.W. Barnes. Man, that guy couldn't preach a lick. I'm going to tell you what he did do. He fought hell toe to toe. He tore down witches. He tore down powers of darkness. He tore down witchcraft in his community. He fought the enemy face to face. Can I tell you right now? I'd rather stand in T.W. Barnes' shoes on Judgment Day than I would the, the greatest baseball player that's ever held a bat in their hand. Because when it's all said and done in eternity, you don't count home runs. I'm trying to get where I'm going tonight. There's such a heaviness in this place. Some time ago, I was on a trip with Brother Ball. I asked him, I said, Brother Ball, don't you get tired? We pulled out our phones and looked at our Delta apps. I had 250,000 sky miles. He had like 285,000. It took me about three years to get there. He did his last year. I've been with him when we went to Europe. My wife and I stayed and preached one place. Him and his wife got on another plane and flew to another completely different country. Came back and met us in that country. And then we came home together and he came home and preached the weekend. Don't you get tired? Yeah. There's another soul in another city in another country uh, that we're never going to touch having good church. Oh. oh, I wish you could feel what I feel. Oh. Something has got to transpire in our hearts that lead us to be so heavy that we have no option but to fall on our knees and seek God. I know that we've got to lay up for retirement. I know we've got to be comfortable. I know we've got to live. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying to you the word is crystal clear about laying up for yourself treasures where moth and rust doth corrupt. He said lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where they cannot corrupt it. I'm saying to you tonight it's all right to be comfortable when you retire from your job. But the problem is that we're so used to comfort as a United States American citizen that we don't know what discomfort is anymore. Oh man, the air went out in my house. I can't go to church. If you feel how hot it was in church tonight, I couldn't even dance. Well, we're funny now, I'm telling you. 
I'm not being ugly. I'm telling you the truth. But I've traveled with these good men. Just saw my precious uncle slip in tonight. We've preached in open air. 100 degrees. 100% humidity. In the Philippine Islands. Preaching your drench. You could literally wring your shirt out. Walk back into the hotel and the air conditioner blows on you. And your voice just shuts off. Tired, exhausted. We went 16 days and preached. I think we preached 10 times or something in 16 days coming back out. We were tired, but was it worth it? I'm going to tell you right now, I want the glory more than I want anything else in my life. It doesn't matter what I got to do, what I got to sell, where I got to go, what's got to happen. We got to have it, and we got to have it in this church. I don't want to just be another church on the block. I want to be the church where the broken come to. I want to be the church where the sick come to. I want to be the church that when the drug addict gets broken, they, somebody will say, I know where the answer is. Uh, I'm never going to get where I'm going but if you think you're going to bring the glory back without criticism you've lost your mind David came dancing back into Jerusalem and his wife sits up in the window and says what a fool what a fool you made yourself look like an idiot, Dave. What do you think you're doing? He said, you think this is bad. I'll be more vile than this. I'm going to tell you Michael's problem. Are you ready? Just write it down. Brother Jordan said today, if you're a note taker, write it down. Michael could never decide if she wanted to be Saul's daughter or David's wife. Because the Bible said that Saul's daughter sat up in the window and mocked him. And the Bible said that from that day, she had no children. I used to believe that God shut her womb up, but the Bible don't say that. The Bible said that she had no children. One day it dawned on me, what if God had nothing to do with it? What if David just made the decision, if she don't love what I love, I won't be laying with the king's daughter. I'm not going to reproduce a spirit that's a Saul's grandson. I don't want to reproduce another Saul. David said, I want to see what God's blessing. And God is blessing the glory. His hand is on the glory. And if Michael don't love my worship, she don't love the glory, I'm not going to reproduce with that. You know what that means? If we say, and it could have been, I'm not saying it wasn't, but what I'm saying is if we are sold on the idea that it was God that shut up her womb, then what we're saying is we want God to do for us what we're not willing to do for ourselves. Well, if God shuts her womb up, that'll teach her to not love worship. Yeah, but if you'll stand up and worship anyway, it'll teach him that you're going to worship regardless. Maybe it was, Bishop. Maybe it was God. But it may have been David. 
that said, I'm so hungry for the glory. I don't have time to preach history. I, I wish I did because I, I don't want to leave a bunch of gaps. But she was a gift that was given to David. David had to leave and she was given, she took another man to be her husband while he was gone. And when David came back, she didn't love David because she, she had never made that commitment to him at the altar. She was a gift to him. She felt like she was God's gift to David. People who feel like they're God's gift to the church always have something critical to say about people who are giving God the best gifts. I don't have time to preach all that. But what I'm saying to you is, if you think we're going to get the glory without criticism, I'm not talking about me get the glory. I'm talking about bringing his glory without people criticizing. That's all right. You go ahead and believe that. But you hear me when I tell you that there are going to be people that criticize you and say, don't you ever do anything but pray? Don't you ever do anything but go to church? Do you ever do anything but God's stuff? And you don't have to give them an answer. You just keep on dancing. What's wrong with you people? You act like your life is consumed with God. They're finally starting to get it. I'm consumed with it. When you get to the place that you can't live without His presence and you can't live without His glory, you're started in the right direction. You gotta go after it. You gotta pursue it. You gotta love it. 